Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat fans. It is Friday, April 14th, and I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Orlando Smart, and today I'm joined by my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, J.P. Flanagan. We have a jam-packed show for you today that is filled with plenty of Bobcat sports, but first, over to J.P. for our word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio, located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos. Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, and scenic views. Thank you, JP. So now we're going to get the show started off with some Texas State softball. So today is Friday, and on Wednesday, the Bobcats, they hosted the Texas Longhorns in a game that the the like just like we said going into the game that the the Longhorns were going to be looking to get revenge on because earlier in the season the um, Bobcats were able to beat the Longhorns so in this game Texas the University of Texas Longhorns won the games um, four to zero and I mean what do you guys think went wrong for the Bobcats in this game? I mean, yeah, we had mentioned all week that this was going to be a team that was, you know, had Texas State kind of circle on their map, you know, uh, having lost that first game of the series and, you know, really just needing some sort of momentum to build on their season as well. And I think that's really started for them, you know, taking a win over Texas State, a team that was able to steal one at home last time for them. And, you know, now we're able to do or see them, you know, take one in San Marcos. So, yeah, I mean, not an ideal outcome, but I mean, that's one of the top teams in the country. And, you know, it's been like that for a long time. So, I mean, not ideal. But that Texas team also, that's their ninth shutout of the season. So, I mean, we're not the only ones who have been, you know, shut out by this Texas team. It's a very impressive team over there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to, to get out of that game 4-0 and, you know, really gain some experience and having you stolen one game from them already, I mean, you can't, you can't be too bad. You know, you mentioned this is, you know, a shutout for UT, and it truthfully is. And, you know, we have to give credit to Mac Morgan, the pitcher that Texas had this entire game. She pitched every single inning. She doesn't step out. She literally controlled the mound. She only allowed five hits. None of those hits ended up giving runs to the Bobcats. She had six strikeouts of her own. She only walked three batters. I mean, this is an impressive performance on the pitching circle for Mac Morgan. And then you you try to look at the other side of that for Texas State. I mean, we went through three different pitchers. So it shows the control on the pitching circle and how it has an effect on this game. No Bobcats able to get on the board in this one. And I mean, it's kind of surprising. What we have seen on this team is Sierra Trahan is out. Sierra Trahan, someone that came from my high school in Santa Fe, Texas, she here is currently injured, but we saw someone step up, Claire, Ginder, Claire Ginder. I don't know if you all know Claire Ginder or you remember her from last season, but she had a hit of her own. Unfortunately, she struck out twice. But, yes, this Bobcat team, I mean, they split this series against UT, so you can't ask for much. But now they're going to be going in, you know, to their next matchup against the number one ranked team in the Sunbelt Conference as Louisiana Raging Cajuns. But, I mean, they just got a full, only a four-run loss against a nationally ranked team like Texas, which is number, I think, eighth in the nation. So, I mean, Bobcats have to bounce back. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you mentioned that. They're definitely yeah, ranked eighth in the nation right now. And uh, looking at the other side, because you mentioned how strong um, Mac Morgan was on the mound, and just it just kind of shows just how much of a powerhouse Texas is on both sides 
of the field because Texas State was they had their best pitchers out there. Tori McCann, Jessica Mullins, like they're they've been the rock stars for the Bobcats on the mound this season and they just weren't able to hold them. They were just putting up four runs and it just shows that why they are the national the eighth ranked team in the nation right now. They've faced some pretty tough opponents this this year. They've battled against Oklahoma who's ranked number one. They've just being a um, the, in the conference that they're in, that just that just goes with the the competition that they'll face. But like you said, Justin, looking forward, the Bobcats will have the the Louisiana Raging Cajuns coming up, and I mean, like you said, number one team ranked in the Sun Belt, and Sun Belt play is ever so important right now. Going for the Bobcats, they are six four and one right now in the conference. I mean, that's not ideal, especially for a team that is has been so successful as the Bobcats. So what do you guys think they can do to bounce back, like you said, from that Texas loss to going into this conference game? Well, one thing to highlight about this Louisiana team is they've played a lot of ranked opponents. I think they were 4-10 uh, against ranked opponents. And if you look at their schedule, they've only lost 12 games or 11 games. So, I mean, all their losses are coming against, you know, the best of the best. So I think, you know, Texas State's really going to have to come, you know, with the best effort in this one. I mean, you had mentioned 6-4-1. and one. I mean, that's not something you are, you know, expecting at this point. You want to obviously improve on that. Um, one thing I will highlight about the Louisiana team is they did lose to an Appalachian State team, their one loss in conference, a team that this Texas State team was able to sweep. So, I mean, it'd be inter- interesting to see how, you know, the lineup is for that game, considering it is one of the top teams in the conference right now. Um, but, yeah, it'll be a tough one for this, this team, especially away. I love how you mentioned this team's played against ranked opponents, and that's what makes a team great. Last game, you know, they played against number 21 nationally, Texas A&M. Before that, number 19, Baylor. You look back on their record, they played Arkansas, who was number three in the nation. They played Florida, number 12. They played UT both games, and they lost both of them. Now they're ranked 11th. Uh, UT is but the one thing I see when I look at this team is look at their home record they're 11 and 1 I mean they're 12 and 2 at home so it's it's pretty hard to win over at Louisiana and I mean you look at the last game they had against Texas A&M and you may be wondering like what is this team doing offensively how are they able to play against these national ranked teams and how do they have a record like this well we got to look at that box score they did lose 2 to 4 against Texas A&M but if you look at the hitting I mean you see Mejia Davis she has two hits for her four at bats Carly Heath she's two for four at our two at bats um we see multiple rbis from alexa langlers i mean this team can hit and i mean pitching as well we see we see here carly heath i mean she she only pitched you know we, we sorry megan scorman she's here she had four strikeouts of her own they went through four pitchers in that game but i mean there's no way to predict this with the personnel it just has to have the you have to have the right mindset you're playing against the number one sunbelt conference team and there's an opportunity that these two teams might meet in the tournament at the end of the year so you know you cannot get caught up in the regular season standings and the rankings you just have to play your best softball definitely because i mean jp mentioned it if they they're ranked number one in the conference but they lost their only loss in the conference is to the worst conference team. The their that loss is or that win for Appalachian State is their only conference win. They're one and nine in the conference. So it's like that just shows that anyone's beatable and they're not just they're they are as good as they have been playing. They're not just a powerhouse that Texas State should just be afraid of. So as long as Texas State can continue doing what they're doing and be strong on the mound, because that's really where the where the where the game kind of got away from them in the past series. So they can Tory McCann, uh, Jessica Mullins can be get back to what they were doing towards the beginning of the season. This definitely can be a game or a series that they can win. But 
I mean, and I look ahead, if you look at the Tech State softball schedule, I mean, they're going to be playing some big schools still. I mean, we only have around four more Sunbelt Conference series left. That's going to be Louisiana, ULM, Marshall, and James Madison. But between all those, the Bobcats are going to be facing Baylor and Texas A&M. And just a question I have for y'all before we go to break, I mean, what does facing a nationally ranked team actually do for your team? I mean, what do y'all think personally? I know none of us here know how to throw a softball or a baseball for that matter. But what are your thoughts and why do you think they, they schedule these games against big ranked opponents? Yeah, I mean, I think quality of wins is just going to be important in any sport. And I think that a lot of these teams are realizing, you know, being in, in the Sun Belt conferences, you're going to have to schedule these tougher opponents so that you can kind of have some credibility. And I think that's what, you know, great that Texas State's be able to do, you know, being, you know, in the hotbed of Texas, getting to schedule these tough Texas teams, you know, in the big national brands. And really that'll help grow, you know, the Texas State brand, really, if you're able to knock off a Texas like we saw in softball. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's kind of great to see these quality games on the schedule. And it really just brings out the best kind of softball for this team. I think it just kind of builds experience for the team, win or lose. Just kind of like you mentioned, Justin, looking at this Louisiana Raging Cajuns team, or no, it was JP, you mentioned how many ranked opponents they faced. And they're one of the top ranked teams in the conference and I think that that experience they have against those top ranked teams and playing team other teams that are that play other great teams just it builds experience it builds mo, um, momentum it just shows you just what some of the best of the best are doing and so it kind of I feel like that gets you prepared for when you play teams that aren't as good it, it just makes you match up better than and so I think that's what Texas State can use once they're playing against some of these better teams, they can use that experience, they can use that knowledge, things they've learned from those games, and apply it to some of these conference teams because that's where they, that's where it's really important. But we're going to switch over to the – oh, well, actually, no, we're going to take a quick break. Um, but when we get back, we're going to switch over to the Texas State Baseball Diamond and zoom out to look at some of the national sports. But for now, let's get you – we're going to take uh, – just go to quick break. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everybody, to this Friday edition of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Orlando Smart, and in the studio with me today are my producer, Justin Brown, and my co-host, J.P. Flanagan. Now, like I said before the break, we're going to jump over to the Texas State baseball team, who just had a series against the university, who also just had a series against the University of Texas Longhorns. And just like last year, the series was split one and one, with University of Texas winning the first game, and then Texas State coming back and winning the second game. I mean, so, I mean, it was a great series to me. I, Texas State won the overall series. They outscored Texas um, 11 to 8. So, even last year, they outscored Texas um, by scoring more points in both games than Texas did. So, I think this is a win for the Bobcats, especially being that Texas is ranked number 19 right now. So how do you guys feel about these this series against the University of Texas? Yeah, I mean, it was a great series. I mean, the first game was kind of sluggish, and you really couldn't get anything done on either end, and I think they responded great, you know, with the game in Austin, fixing, you know, both those problems on both ends. Uh, you saw an uh, increase of hitting from Chase Mora, um, having three or four and scoring all or three three times that he got on base. And then shout-out to August Ramirez, because whenever he was up to the plate, I think he was two for three, and he's just a designated 
hitter, and it, that's exactly what you want from it, a designated hitter like that to get on base and bring in RBIs. And I think one thing is the top of the lineup still wasn't hot, and we were able to beat a Texas team without the top of the lineup really having much production. I know um, Jose Gonzalez didn't get on base. I know Ben McLean probably got on base once. And that's, you know, two of your top four right there uh, in the lineup. And to not get any of those guys on base and still, you know, pull out a major win against a team like that is incredible. And then that being the largest win Texas State has had over Texas since 2001, where they did it 13-4. to So, I mean, it's been a long time since we've been able to see a dominant win over a Texas team like that. And it was great to see. It was great to see. And one thing that I think is great to see is if you look at this box score, for anyone that doesn't know baseball, there's one thing about baseball. If you see that a team goes through four to five pitchers, it's because they're struggling to stop that team from hitting. And we talk about Chase Mora hitting, but we have to look at this pitching performance by Texas State and UT. See, Texas State started with Tristan Dixon. He starts with the fourth, four, the first four innings. He has seven strikeouts in those innings, only allows two hits. Now, the only run scored came from Cameron Bush on the mound and Jack Stroud, but they both combined for six strikeouts of their own, and they played combined five innings. So, I mean, that's good mountain performance only three pitchers for texas state now look at ut they go through six different pitchers ace whitehead cameron o'bannon cameron o'bannon cody howard max grubbs andre DePlanter, and chase loomis i mean that shows that they're scrambling to find a stop to this texas state team and i'm just really proud of the bobcats here responding in quite good fashion we saw chase mora he was 0 for 4 at his at bats at texas state he turns around turns to a three three out of four performance here at ut i mean that's something coming from a freshman i mean this is his first time playing a collegiate team first time playing against ut one of the biggest schools in the entire state and he's turning around his performance like that I mean that is applaud worthy honestly yeah I mean interesting you mentioned Tristan Dixon he actually closed out that game four innings I oh, mean my bad. yeah all good and it was it was great to see because a guy you know really just staking his claim on the mound and you know saying like I don't want to be pulled coach you know I'm going to finish this one out and doing it with impressive fashion you know seven strikeouts I mean the guy was just in total control up there and then one thing I will say about the Texas pitchers, I, I think um, their coach was trying to, you know, get some experience out there because uh, I think two of their four pitchers that you had mentioned, uh, that was their first collegiate experience because I'm sure that, you know, the lineup up there is hard to get some playing time and, mm-hmm. you know, getting to play some quality experience against Texas State team. And for David Pierce, the coach there, I think that kind of backfired on him because this isn't a team you just want to throw out your, you know, freshman in there. This <laughs> yeah. is a team that was number one hitting in the country at one point. I mean, maybe it's some good experience to, you know, get them used to, you know, people scoring on them. But I mean, yeah, I was a tough one for them i mean they're gonna figure it out and this texas state team's rolling right now so good to see and i mean one interesting factoid that we have to mention about this game and i don't know if y'all have known this but jose gonzalez one of the best hitters in the entire nation has gone cold i mean in his last i think 12 at bats now he has probably had only one hit and i'm because you look here against this game against ut he's 0 for 4 and he's that has been the case and i know he's frustrated and you're seeing pitchers pitch to him differently they're doing change-ups in the lower area you know and the lower part of the box and it's like he needs to get back on that hitting performance because I think they're relying on him and he's not really stepping up. But, you know, we don't know what's going on in the mind of an athlete, so you can't expect it. But he's going to have to step up against Marshall, I mean, upcoming this weekend. I'm glad you mentioned Marshall because that will be the Bobcats' next series that will start on that will start tonight at 6 p.m. And looking at this Marshall team, I got to say that the Bobcats are very lucky to be hosting this game to start off because if you're looking at this Marshall team, they are – undefeated 17 and 0 at home they are they have a record of 34 and 4 overall and a conference record of 9 and 1 so i mean this is a team that's not ranked but this might be one of the best teams the bobcats have played all season so 
I mean, what are some of the things y'all think they can do to kind of use the momentum from the from this Texas game that they just played to going into this Marshall series? Yeah, it's really just, you know, not having a big head going into this one. I mean, I know you beat a Texas team in Austin, but you're going to have to, you know, come back, regroup, and, you know, take advantage of this team that, you know, is actually, I think they're 13 and something or 14 and something this year. Um, they're kind of struggling right now. So, you know, having to take advantage of the, this smaller level team, you know, after coming off a big ranked win would be very important. And I think uh, Levi Wells is actually starting the weekend. So that'd be great to see if they can actually steal one, you know, to start the series. Um, yeah, I mean, th- three long games, anything can happen. But I mean, this is a team that you would like to see this Texas State team, you know, just, you know, walk over and have three wins, um, you know, look forward to the next. Because after that game, they play UTSA and UTSA actually knocked off Texas State the first time. And that being such a close matchup there, I think that, you know, this Texas State team is going to want to, you know, beat the school down the road and, you know, stake their claim as being the best team on I-35. Marshall and Texas State, this will be the first time they've ever matched together to play against each other this weekend. And and Marshall's the fifth opponent that Texas State has faced for the first time this season so far. So, you know, you you cannot use the previous experience, you know, to, to judge how this one's going to be. But, you know, I love that you mentioned the personnel that we're going to have starting Levi Wells on Friday. He's throwing a 4.89 ERA. Then you have Saturday, Tony Roby is the possible pitcher with a 3.9 ERA. And then Sunday, Zeke Wood stepping on the mound with only one win this season, 5.06 ERA. So, I mean, good pitching performances there. But the hitters right now, Davis Powell is the unexpected leader. He stepped to the top, and he has a 3.65 hitting average with 13 doubles and 28 runs scored. And that's really big from this this player. And then Jose Gonzalez right in second with a team-high 39 RBIs and eight stolen bases with nine home runs. So, I mean, this team is pretty great. The Bobcats could perform well against Marshall. And then you look at Marshall, they've only had three. Three wins in their last 11 games and the other two victories came on the road from ULM and Old Dominion so this Marshall team they've got some away wins so you know we can't just say we're lucky to not play them at home because this team can play away and they can play great so the Bobcats are just going to have to play their best baseball and there's possibly a broadcast on KTSW 89.9 on Sunday at 11 a.m. so definitely hopefully the the Bobcats can get a good a good conference win throughout this series because they definitely need it right now but we're going to zoom out and look at the NBA right now because the the playing tournament will continue tonight. The the Chicago Bulls will be facing the Chicago or the Miami Heat at 6 and then followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder battling the Minnesota Timberwolves at 8:30 and so I'm pretty sure you guys talked about the first round on Wednesday but after that the Bulls beat the Raptors in a very close game and then the Thunder beat the Pelicans so I mean half of my in those two games my predictions were half right I thought I was sure the Bulls would beat the Raptors although it didn't look like that kind of starting off it needed some very big performances from Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan which was actually a part of my prediction but then on the other side I predicted that the Pelicans would beat the Thunder so I mean did you guys have any predictions going into the the those last games of the playing tournament I mean yeah that Toronto game was very interesting to watch because it really just came down to the free throws and you know that team not being able to take advantage be it they have guys like Yaka Pirtle and other players who are you know shoot 50% from the line so it's a toss-up every time they get there uh but yeah that was definitely a struggle for them I think they made you know close to 50% on the night for free throws and that's anytime you get up there and you can't you know make at least 70% you're gonna have a tough time beating a team that is capitalizing especially a team with DeMar DeRozan who shoots I think a career 90% from the free throw line so yeah I mean that was a tough game to kind of watch for them because I mean if if they were making free throws they might be you know up 10 points you know in dominant fashion but we can't uh, you know deny DeMar DeRozan being able to 
finish out a season and then Zach Levine having just one of the, you know, great exclamation performances at the end of the season as well. And then that Thunder game was just a total surprise. I mean, no one could have known that, you know, a young team like that was going to really, you know, come out with the energy they did to beat a team that, you know, has playoff admirations like the Pelicans who have CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram and potentially Zion Williamson, you know, if the, you know, season progressed. But now, now they're out and we're left with the Thunder playing the Timberwolves, the, the Timberwolves yeah, and then the Bulls having to beat the Heat twice to get into the playoffs. So I'm actually glad you brought up that free throw percentage because we talked about DeMar DeRozan, we talked about Zach Levine, but I'm pretty sure everyone would say agree that the real MVP of that game was DR DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan's daughter, who was screaming at the top of her lungs at the free throw line. And I mean, it may not have had an impact, but it, I mean, they shot 50% and that's not normal for that team. So I feel like DR definitely had an impact on them. So I want to give her a shout out for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, she She's the unsung hero of this matchup, but it's not every day that an NBA team is held to 50% from the free throw line, especially when their season is on the line. Now, one thing I would say is how crucial were those free throws? You think about the last minute of that game. Pascal Siakam was fouled at the top of the three-point line, and he had an opportunity to score three free throws and tie this game up to go in overtime, but he did not do that. I love how we mentioned these free throws. And DR, she may have been the MVP here, but, you know, the Bulls are going to have to play against the Miami Heat. And, I mean, Miami Heat, we saw them. They had, you know, they... They did they they yeah they lost to the Hawks even though they had three players in double digits but the Bulls I mean they can do the same thing and I know these two teams have met together before I believe in the playoffs so you know what I will have to say is we're gonna expect big performances from Zach Levine Demar Derozan obviously Zach Levine had 39 points in this game I mean wow stepping up big I haven't heard his name all season I'm glad to see that he's stepping up Alex Caruso you know the bald beast he's he's there too he's doing great uh gotta give him a shout out but one thing i have to say about this okc versus timberwolves game i mean this is going to be so fun i never do we see these two teams in the playoffs or i mean we, we've seen them before but they leave or we see uh patrick beverly like celebrating yeah. <laughs> like he just and now he's undefeated in the play-in is it play on playing pat two-time playing champ Wow. I can't see. I can't wait to see how he's going to react. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I really my prediction here. I'm gonna give it to you right now. It's really hard for these playing teams like the Bulls and like the Thunders because they're gonna have to play two games and win them both. Um, and statistically, that's pretty hard to do. So what I will say here, my prediction, it's gonna be a tough one, but it's Miami and Thunder. They're yeah. winning two games. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very hard, as you mentioned, to you know take two games from either of these teams who you know have playoff admirations. And I think it'll be really hard for the Bulls because to really get in the position they were in against the Raptors, they needed their best performance from DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. And can you really expect that every night? I mean, that's a tall task to ask for, 39 points, um, and really just you know having the other team not be able to capitalize on the free throw line. So the Bulls are going to need a lot to happen for them. I think the Heat are destined to make it back to the playoffs and then potentially the Eastern Conference Finals because a lot of people like to forget that Jimmy Butler almost led this team again to the finals, which is something that is very unexpected for a guy who doesn't really have any star players around him currently other than Kyle Lowry, who's on the latter end of his career. And then they brought in a Kevin Love, who also um, is on the latter end of his career. So it'd be impressive to see him get back to the playoffs and see if he can knock off um, the number one Bucks team if that were the case. I think that's probably the best matchup for you know all NBA fans out there getting to watch the Heat play the Bucks. But that's just personal opinion for me. And then on the other side, I 
probably the smart answer here is probably the Timberwolves, but I feel like the Thunder have a lot of energy on that team. So, I mean, if they can play with that energy and, you know, just uh, the the mindset, I feel like they could definitely sneak it, especially since Rudy Gobert might not be playing that game. He says it's not because of the issue with Kyle Anderson, but he said it's back spasms. But, you know, there might be some lingering undertones there from that argument that was had with Kyle Anderson. Looking at what you said about the Heat, I mean, I had picked the Heat to beat the Hawks, and it was because of, like you said, Jimmy Butler's ability just to kind of turn it on in the playoffs and the pieces he has around him. They might not be stars, but there are a lot of great, solid pieces on that Heat team. But, I mean, Jimmy Butler, honestly, was probably the reason they lost to that Hawks team. If you look at everyone else, Kyle Lowry had 33 off the bench, Tyler Harrell had 26, and... Well, I'd say Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo because Jimmy Butler he had 21 points, but it wasn't it was a very inefficient 21. Nine of his points came from the free throw line, and he was only six for 19 from the field. And then Bam Adebayo just was not aggressive. He only had 12 points on 12 shots, and so I mean they just with a with a performance like that from their the two best players on the team. Um, the Bulls definitely have a chance because if, if they're if the Heat's best players are playing like that and the Bulls' best players are playing like they played in their play-in game, then I think the Bulls will definitely win that. So it'll definitely be a good matchup. It just kind of depends on who shows up. And then in the Thunder and Timberwolves game, I think the Thunder will win that. Just the Thunder are a very great team, very solid all around. Shy Gilgis Ale- Alexander is, I mean, he's just a very great. He's a very solid player all around. And I think Lou Dort, I mean, he's he's a defensive guy, and they're daring him to shoot threes, and he's making them. So if he can continue to knock down the three, I think the, with the tim- with everything going on with the Timberwolves, Car- uh, Rudy Gobert not playing, and I just I'm me personally, obviously I'm not an NBA player, so my opinion didn't doesn't matter that much. But I'm not that afraid of Carl Anthony Towns as a player. I think that he's just uh, not just a guy, but He's not a guy that's gonna lead his team to to be that to to a deep playoff run. He's had plenty of pieces around him. He's had people in and out. Jimmy Butler was there and didn't like the, what they had going on, and he left and took his team to bigger and better things. While the Timberwolves just haven't kind of done anything, and I think that's a big part of Carl Anthony Towns being their guy. So I think the Thunder will definitely be able to win this game. So my picks will be the Bulls and the Thunder to win tonight. Well, here's what I have to say. The Timberwolves right now, I know I already made my prediction. I said the Thunder is going to win, but this is the reason why. Timberwolves, you don't get into a fight like that right before going into a play-in tournament and expect your team chemistry to be okay. Right now, that team is playing together. Some of them are maybe in it for the, you know, they're trying to win, but some of them, they're just like, you know, this team isn't the team I played the last 82 games with. You know, I don't feel like we're really going to go far into the playoffs. You have to have the right mindset. You look at the teams that do the best in the playoffs. Those are the teams where you see the bench on their feet the entire game. They're giving their guys their credit where it's due. This Timberwolves team, the chemistry is not there right now. Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, They've played together. They have experience. Anthony Edwards, this is the best thing that has ever happened in his entire career. Right now, the Timberwolves don't need that two-big-man situation that they have where they have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. It's all Anthony Edwards. And Anthony Edwards, he's going to have a big game here against the Thunder. I don't know if it's the first one or the second one, but expect his best performance that I've seen from him probably in his career. I mean, Anthony Edwards, he is going to be a perennial all-star for the next years to come. Um, But quick thing we can add here before we go to break. I'm looking at the games for tomorrow the first round games we got Nets, Sixers Hawks Celtics Knicks Cavaliers and Warriors and Kings now quick you don't have to give your reasons why 
Just say what game you think is going to go to each team for the first round. I think between the Hawks and Celtics, it's Celtics' first game. Nets and 76ers, sorry, Joel Embiid's going to have 42 free throws. He's going to win the game. Knicks and Cavs, Knicks and Cavs, that's going to go into an overtime. Knicks are going to get the win. Kings over Warriors. Yeah, I mean, great day tomorrow of basketball. I'm definitely going to pick the Warriors. They're destined to go back. I'm going to pick the Celtics because if they don't win, some concerns there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Cavs. I got to see Donovan Mitchell in person. You know, he's a great all all around scorer and, and great on defense. I feel like that gets undertoned a lot. And then what was that last game? It was the yeah, that one's pretty obvious. The 76ers and the Nets. The Nets really shouldn't be in that position that they're in right now. Arguably, could have fallen out of the playoffs. So yeah, I'm going to predict Joel Embiid. You know, does another. MVP performance and probably wins that one. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna agree with pretty much everything you said, JP. I'm gonna go Sixers over Nets. I'm gonna go Celtics over Hawks, Cavs over Knicks, and Warriors over Kings. So, and I mean the the I got definitely specifically talking about the Nets. They definitely shouldn't be in the playoffs right now. There was there was a a a little beef going on between Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyle Kuzma over the weekend. I wish we could have got into that. But we are running out of time here. Um, Let's see. So uh, thanks. Before we wrap things up, we're going to hear from Justin for a word on the weather. Yes, Orlando. Let's look at the weather today. Right now, it's cloudy. Don't expect any rain, though. Rain is going to be around 12%. That's the highest it'll be today. And you look at today, the high is going to be 80. That's going to be around 5 p.m., but it's going to dip back down to around 69, low key, uh, around 11 p.m. And then you look at the rest of the weekend, a high of 94 tomorrow. It's going to feel like summer, but expect 24% chance of rain. And Sunday, a high of 78 and a low of 49. And that will be a beautiful, sunny Sunday for some great baseball action. So that's the weather, Orlando. Thank you, Justin. All right, everyone. Like I said, that is all the time we have for today's episode. But be sure to keep up with everything Sam Marcus and Texas State related by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at KTSW Sports. For Justin Brown, J.P. Flanagan, I'm Orlando Smart. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in again same time next week and have a wonderful rest of your day. But for now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.